Hey guys, welcome back. We hope you're all staying safe and healthy and social distancing. We're super excited to keep sharing these wonderful conversations that inspire us to keep creative during these unusual times. This is another episode of Artistic Beginnings. The podcast where we speak with a variety of creatives to learn about their artistic beginnings. I'm Melody. And I'm Mitch. And today on our show, we have Jeff Ashkin. Jeff is an actor, director, writer, and recently started producing a podcast called Coast to Coast to Coast. He shares some really great tips and advice on how to get your work done and out in the world. So let's jump right in. (laughs) Well, I'm kind of on the show because I'm friends with Mitch and Melly. (laughs) (laughs) The reason why I'm on the show today is because I'm a writer, director, actor living in Los Angeles. I've made projects on my own. I'd say like uh, very proud of the ones I've done on my own and happy to impart the wisdom of how I got to where I'm at and also talk about some of the failures I've done, which I think is also important. So, you know, it's definitely a lot of stuff I've learned, but I'm happy to uh, to talk about my journey into uh, the film industry out here. Yeah, that's awesome. So just to get a little bit of background on you, you do have the experience on being an actor, writer, director, uh, producer, all those those kinds of things. Only mm-hmm. only a few things that you've done, you know, uh, <laughs> you, you don't keep busy at all. It's, it's kind of crazy how much stuff you do. Can you tell us kind of how you got even in this industry, like how this even came to be about yeah. to dig back into those early years? Well, I was born. Well, let's skip ahead. OK, um, no, I grew up I grew up in South Florida, Boca Raton. Shout out to Boca. Anyone listening from Boca Raton? Um, anyway, I actually, when I was in high school, I got involved in drama because I was always interested in, in uh, theater. When I was uh, going to college, I realized that I'd always you know, really wanted to be in film. But, you know, in high school, I couldn't really do much film activity. There wasn't any classes. There wasn't any club. But when I got to uh, college, I ended up going to film school at the University of Central Florida. That's in Orlando. And they had a great film program. I was able to do a lot of hands-on work, working with uh, actors and casting. And I was behind the camera, in front of the camera, helping other people produce their work. It was just a great way of just getting a chance to experience all the aspects of production. So when I graduated, I mean, I went to film school. I might as well go to the capital of film. And, and that obviously was Los Angeles. So I moved here pretty soon after graduation. Like I graduated in May and I was in L.A. by September. Wow. And it's so funny because I almost went to New York. I thought about grad school. I thought about going to uh, the new school in Manhattan. And I got accepted there. But I figured, you know what? I'm just, I don't know. I felt like L.A. was the place I should be. So I moved out here in 2006. It took me a while to sort of get my, you know, bearings. (laughs) That's That's what my dad would say. It essentially was kind of a trial by fire. Um, I really didn't know anybody in the film industry, to be fair. And... I had to look online and luckily my film school had a presence here in Los Angeles and I had an uncle out here. So that was very good because he was able to kind of give me an idea of the areas where that were good to live and areas that were, you know, uh, not so good. I was able to start basically making films on my own after about, I'd say, I really didn't start making uh, my own work until about three years after I moved here. That's when I felt really comfortable and I felt like, okay, now I kind of get how this works. I done extra work and done PA work. And then about three of them, I'm like, okay, let me start making films now. I mean, let me see if I can do this. So that was really the start of my personal production journey, I guess. <laughs> that was actually really fun. I'll tell you. 
I can well, I'm just go into my process. Well, yeah, before you, you jump into yeah. the process, I have a, a few questions. Just get a little bit more into the your, your experiences earlier on. So when you were going to school, did you have kind of a frame of reference for what it would be like in the real world? Were there kind of some gaps? Like looking back, you realize that, you know, maybe this wasn't exactly preparing you for exactly what the real world was like. And are there certain aspects of it that you're like, oh, thank God I went to school for this. And this really prepared me for some of the, the things I needed to uh, do in order to succeed. It's funny you say that because when I was in film school, I thought, oh, man, I mean, on the best days, it was great. Like things ran really well. But on the worst days, even though I was making film, there was problems with people not showing up on time, people not knowing what they were doing people sitting down and not doing anything, people not remembering things and locations like, you know, flaking out on us or people like disappearing. And I'm like, you know, when I get to LA, things are going to be so different. I'm going to be on professional film sets. Everyone's going to know what they're doing. It's going to be completely different. And then I got to LA and what happened? People disappearing from film sets, people wandering off, <laughs> not doing anything, people not remembering their lines. Like all these things that happen in film school, actually happened in LA, the professional, you know, film capital of the world. I was, was surprised. I'm like, man, I guess film school really did prepare me for this because <laughs> people also don't know what they're doing. At least it's consistent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I, I've been in sets where things are run very well, of course. But a lot of times, though, I have seen that, oh, wow, this is just like that short film I did. But then this is a big feature film and that star who will remain, who, who will remain uh, unnamed doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, even as an extra, I, I've been in a couple of big films as an extra and I've paid attention and I'm like, oh, wow, they don't know what they're doing. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, but what film school prepared me for the most, though, is that it really showed me the difference between making a feature film and making a short film. A short film is best when it's an actual short story. A lot of times I'd have friends in film school who try to make a feature film as a short film and it doesn't mm. work that you know either you make like a really cool scene that is like a a sample for a feature film or you make a short story and if you want to make a short story you'll have a better chance of getting in film festivals and getting attention and that is also a good sample for your feature as well it's funny because i can see I, I, I could i can name two examples of that kind of thing because i know whiplash that movie about the um, musician i love whiplash great movie right well he made that into a short film first mm -hmm. uh, he actually wrote the feature i couldn't get it made but he made a short film got it into sundance and then he got the money to get the feature film made but all it was was just literally just a scene from the feature film they just basically shot you know the scene and then made that into a short film wow. and it came out great i think it's online as well but so that's really basically what film school prepared me for the most was how to you know make a short film stand on its own what you would need what type of equipment you should get and people you should you know uh, have around you to help make it happen so just because we're on this topic and i find it really interesting can you give a little bit more detail into like how you determine whether a story is really meant to be more of a short format than than a longer one and and how you can kind of develop either the story in a different way so that you can create that kind of content well for me i would always say that it depends on the story you want to tell what is it the effect you want to give do you want to you know move people do you want to make them cry do you want to make them laugh there are certain stories that are good in the short form i've written some things i wrote a no, i'm gonna, I'm gonna plug my own work plug it <laughs> Okay. I wrote a short called Technical Support, and it was basically about a guy calling tech support and then the tech support person and him having a conversation and it develops into something else. I don't want to spoil too much of it, even though it came out in 2012, but it was written as a, as a uh, feature film, actually. 
But what I found very carefully was it didn't need to be a feature film. In fact, I hit the same beat over and over again with the story. Like, you know, they find a connection between the two of them and develops into a relationship. And then you find out the world is not what it appears to be. I realized after I filmed it, this, it could be done very simply. It didn't have to be that long, in fact. Once you know what your story is about and you can hit all the beats of the story that you want to hit and you can do it in a short way. I mean, when I say short way, I mean like, you know, less than 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. You have a short film. But if there's things that you want to hit in terms of, you know, I want to talk about this relationship and this relationship, and I want to make sure the character grows, you know, at a certain point, then then it's a feature film. But I've seen I've seen films where feature films where I feel like, oh, this could have been a short. This does not need to be this long. And it feels like yeah. hmm, this feels like the subplot just feels like it was just padding to, you know, make this a feature <laughs> film. You know, I see that TV shows, too, where I'm like, oh, this is a bottle episode. You know, one of those episodes where. Not much happens and it's all one location so they can save money on the next episode. Right. But for me, though, that was really the, the, the case where this short film and, the, you know, not to brag, but it did play at Comic-Con, which was pretty cool. San Diego Comic-Con. That's awesome. Yeah. And back in 2012, I had my whole cast there. I did a and a It was it was really cool. Played at the L.A. Shorts uh, Fest in uh, North Hollywood. And then it played in uh, Orlando and a couple other places. And it was really fun. I was very proud of that film. That was actually my first big success as a short film maker on my own yeah that was really cool but that was basically it and it's so funny because like i thought film is very technical but it's also more about what you're trying to say and how you're trying to say it and where you're trying to say it too you know if you wanted the film festival circuit they would rather have five really good short films than one decent long short film you know what i'm saying like instead of totally. having a 30 minute good film have a really strong like 10 minute maybe even five minute short film and they can program it easier on the festival circuit. A good short film can get you many places. Like I said, it's hard to program a long short film. And it's so funny because I feel like with the streaming services, there should be more of a market for longer short films. But right. there really isn't. We don't really watch short films as an American audience. I know someone told me in Europe they actually do that a lot. But in, oh. in America, mm -hmm. we don't really watch short films. We watch, I mean, the only closest thing we have to it is like maybe the Twilight Zone, obviously in the, in right. the, in the 50s and 60s. And now they, re they brought it back, I think, a third time now. And, or in Black Mirror. Actually, right, yeah, it's like the closest. Yeah, the closest we have to it. But I know Mitch was the one who actually told me about Black Mirror first. Actually, he was the one who got me into that. It's oh. it's so good. It's so dark. It is. It's um, very yeah. creepy. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So is that? I hope that answers the question, though. I hope. <laughs> oh, it definitely did. Okay. Good. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. You brought up technical support, the film that that you put together. Yeah. So you you were an actor, like you were the lead in it. You also directed it, and you right. you wrote it, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a lot of hats. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I have to say this. I really came down to limiting the variables that I could control and the ones I couldn't control. What did I have? I had an apartment. Can I use the apartment for the story? Yes, I can. What else do I need? I need an office. What office can I get? I found an office. I found out how much it would cost me. It's like, okay, now I have two elements that I, I know the variables. Were there any variables that I wasn't sure about? Okay, well, now I'd have need crew. I worked with people that I worked with back in film school and I trusted them very well. You know, basically it was like a skeleton crew. It was like maybe three people doing that film with me. I had actors that I had worked. One actor, actually, it's funny. I, I went to a workshop and I met this little actor literally sitting next to me. And I'm like, you know, you're pretty good. You want to audition for my movie? And like, it literally, you know, I literally just turned to some guy next to me who I thought was, he did like a, a monologue. And I'm like, that's so LA. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> And he was, he was really good. He's, he's a really good actor. His name is Rodney Nagel. I'm going to plug him right now. He's been in a lot of things. He was in um, 
for those movies that were like Valentine's Day and then New Year's Eve. But he was in a lot of those. And I think he's going to be in this new movie about uh, Marilyn Monroe, which is, is, I forget who he's playing, but he's, awesome. uh, he's really good. Anyway, but he was just sitting next to me. He was just sitting next to me. And uh, I thought he was really good. And I'm like, hey, why don't you come audition for my film? And he did. And then uh, I had a short audition session. And I guess the, the point I'm trying to make you with the variables is I had a small cast. So, okay, okay. I get actors I really like. Obviously, I'd work with this guy. So I'm like, okay, I already know his abilities. I know he's easygoing. Perfect. He's in. Then I had the two locations, got them, fine, great. And then, of course, I had the um, the story, which, of course, had all the emotional beats. Did it need more locations? No, I just needed the two locations. So I had the great actors. I had, from a production standpoint, the two locations. And I had the crew. And I paid everybody what I could afford, and everyone agreed to it. And we did a shoot in about, I think, four days, I think it was. I think we had wow. a fifth day just for reshoot. Well, the good thing about me is that I cast myself, of course, and it wasn't even it wasn't even because it was so so ridiculous. I cast myself not because I wanted to be the main role so badly, though. Of course, of course I guess there was a little bit of that, but also because I was how long it would take, and I didn't want anyone to be like annoyed at me for like <laughs> working like a ten hour day or something, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you know, because like the main role had to be like there was the main character is in his apartment like the whole time, like he never goes outside. Mm. like everyone else is talking to him i wasn't sure if i could like translate what i was trying to go for or you know i mean or try to explain it so i just figured i'll just do it and then i'll just be easier so that was fair i will say though i i feel like as i've gotten older it's becoming much more difficult to direct and act at the same time without only focusing on that like you know, i need someone to produce more so i don't have to focus on that like oh i gotta be in this really emotional moment oh but i gotta worry about when lunch is gonna come and you know like all, all those other producer things that it's a lot yeah it's a lot to do so it's hard to focus on all those things and also be a really amazing on set as well so you know yeah no it's super interesting because it, it seems like you had to wear a lot of hats and try a, a bunch of new things and, and really wrangle a, a lot of different variables as you were saying like were there any kind of missteps that you experienced that you decided to adjust in your your future projects well i'll say this one the one big mishap which i don't know how i would have done differently because it wasn't really an issue that i had when i was filming in the office another film was actually supposed to film there as well oh and like the, the producer was like hey we're gonna film here too and I'm like, well, I'm already filming here. And he's like, all right, well, when you cut, we'll film. And then when we cut, you can film. I'm like, no, it's not going to work. What do you mean? Like, that's not a solution. So I had to call the office and I said, yeah, sorry about that. We double booked. But don't worry, we have an office in Santa Monica. So we'll just send them there. So they left. So I was like, oh, okay, great. So I'll get back to work. And then I found out later that on the way over to the other set, they actually got into a car accident. No, no one got hurt or anything. But like their, their whole film was a mess. I felt bad. Like, oh, great. And I said... I made a whole big thing about it. Now they have to deal with oh, this project. Yikes. So it helped for the emotionality of the scene, but so bad. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was just ridiculous. But in terms of issues we had, not really, I don't know what I could have done to prevent that from happening. I guess I could have reconfirmed with them about, you know, the location being just for us. I mean, that's, that's kind of on them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would say that I definitely feel that food is important. You definitely want your actors to be fed uh, or any crew everyone should be you know having yes. good snacks it's a small thing it goes so far in terms of uh, morale and people being just happy like especially on, on the smaller films you don't get let's face it you don't get really good snacks so on that film i felt like i didn't give as much as i could have and i think that that uh, was certainly for me though because you know i was like oh man i, I completely eat something right now um but i i definitely would say that having 
snacks and and good catering it, it goes a long way it's a small yeah. thing but it definitely it definitely uh makes people feel good and feel like they at least you know got something to munch on while you're waiting to set up lights which could take you know as you know like an hour or so even yeah. more than that of course you know yeah it's funny how it's such like a, a basic thing that you forget <laughs> and that's something actually i did learn in film school where i would be on film sets and people were like hey where's where's the food and i'm like what do you mean, where's the food what do you mean like <laughs> i like was like you really you really should buy you really should buy stuff i'm like really i didn't i, I had no idea like it it was something I, I had like oh i'm glad you told me that because i had no clue that's how things were supposed to work because right. yes no i didn't make a film until i got to film oh, i made like you know films for like school projects or whatever but i never really made like a actual film until i got to film school and that's you know, when I learned like all those kind of things that, you know, helped with the production. I mean, also, of course, you do see a lot of people working with the same actors and the same crew. You know, you see the Coen brothers work with Roger Deakins a lot, the great cinematographer who just won an Oscar again this year for 1917. Mm-hmm. It was great. You know, you see Scorsese working with DiCaprio. Before that, he worked with De Niro a lot on his films. And I can understand why, though. It's because when you work with someone that is giving you good work and you know you have a great working relationship with, you want to work with that person like all the time. I always say that it's like, who would you want to spend a 14-hour day with? If you think about it, there's actually not that many people. <laughs> there's some people yeah. that you like and some people that you love. But after 14 hours, you really want to be with someone that you can just fall apart in front of and they're cool with it. You know, that's what I've learned also a lot from working on sets as well. Because I've been in casting sessions where an actor comes in and they just bring in this like, you know, negative energy and they kind of like boss me around like in the room, like, all right, so I don't know what, you know, like they, I mean, I can understand like not being a little confused about the role and I understand that, but like, I remember my acting teacher had told me, you know, if someone comes in and, and acts like that, do you want to spend a long day? Do you want to have that person on your set? And I said, oh yeah, I get that. So when I've gone to auditions as an actor, I've always tried to be very, even if they kept me waiting, I've always tried to be very polite and be like, you know, I understand because I get it. I see it from both sides, you know. So you want to always bring that level of joy and passion to the set without ever being negative. Once you go negative, it kind of ruins it. Now, let me tell you another story. Um, I got a lot of stories here. I remember once I, I was working on a short film that I was doing, and I remember the actor just didn't give the performance I wanted. I mean, he eventually got there. He was good. But I remember I gave him a note that was negative. Like I said, like, I said something like, don't do that. I don't like that. It wasn't like I was trying to insult him or anything, but I know I should have been more positive. And I feel like that's another key to keeping the set up. In addition to the food, in addition to you know working with people that you that you can spend a fourteen hour day with, you also really want to be positive about every single thing. Once you go negative, it just makes people feel self conscious and unsure about themselves, and it just it doesn't work. Now we've, we the film came out okay, but I just I just realized that's always very important we're all we're all making make-believe so we should all you know enjoy what we're doing i mean it's not like we're doing something that we all don't want to be doing right everyone wants to be there so i feel like that's something that also i learned from my my short film work yeah it sounds like a lot of the human factors you take into consideration are really the key things like the smaller things that a lot of people maybe miss that are really important in creating the environment that the creativity can kind of grow in right no i agree with that it's always about trying to, you know, make great, great art. You know, you're trying to make something that you want to stand beside and you want to, if you, 
you want to work with the same people over and over again. You really do. I mean, if you have a great crew and you have a great cast and, you know, you can find, you, they might work well with your drama. They could work well with your comedy and you can, you can easily recast people and, and rework with people that, you know, you really respect. And, and, and also as you guys probably, you know, very well, it's, it's a small industry and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> word gets around. People talk. Yeah. <laughs> word, word gets out. You know, we, you hear about, Oh, that person, I work with that person, that person, mm. You know, yeah. and you don't want to be that person they're talking about. You want to be the person who, you know, it's like, oh, he's so sweet. I mean, there's a reason why Tom Hanks is such a beloved actor. I've been lucky enough to meet him, and he's exactly the person that he is, uh, you know, in interviews. He's just right. a very nice, easygoing person. And that's obviously the reason why I, I feel one of the reasons, aside from being a great actor, of course. Uh, one of the reasons why I think he works so often. So I, I want to talk a little bit about the the most recent short film that you made. Oh yeah, and it's it's a little bit of a departure from your your typical type of project, as far as I understand it. And I wanted to hear a little bit of of why you kind of went this direction, and a little bit about kind of your inspiration for for doing the short film. Oh great, well thank you. Um, this, mm-hmm. The short film we're doing was a bit of a departure for me because it's an it's an animated film, and it's a short animated film. And it's something that I wanted to do. And I really didn't, I'll put it this way. It was the only way I could do it would be in animation. And the reason why is because it's about movie credits. The actual movie credits of a film uh, have their own film. And it's like, you know, the, the parts of the beginning of the film, the parts of the end of the film have their own interior world. And I wanted to explore that. And what would that, what would that look like? You know, what would the font be, look like? What would the you know, world look like. And I just had a lot of fun just coming up with ideas and, and concepts using different types of font and using logos and things. And I just thought, oh, what a cool, cool thing this could be. So I I actually went online and looked up animators in different animation schools. And there's a lot of great resources online to find animators who are just getting out of their film school or animation schools where they want to get experience. And, and I basically pitched the project and showed them what type of budget I was working with. I actually found that and it's so funny because it took me a long time to come to this uh, particular point, but I have ended up working with an old college roommate of mine who <laughs> who went to film school. Uh, went to film school. He went to UCF with me. He had gone to the animation section of of the, the college, and I told him, you know, I'm having trouble finding the right animator for this project. And he said, Well, I'd be interested. So I said, Great. So we talked about it. We had never worked before. And we basically just talked about the concept and he talked about what he was thinking. I talked about what I was thinking. I sent him the script and he said, all right, let me, let me show you what I can do. And he sent me like a, uh, a test file and I thought it looked great. So I said, okay, let's do it. Let's get started. I, it's, it's so funny. We, he actually animated the whole film himself, all five minutes and 38 seconds wow. of it. And he and I never met. I actually haven't seen him since college. It's so funny. Like, Wow. <laughs> It was all remote? Yeah, it completely remote. It's funny. He did the animation. I, I knew a composer who did a previous film. He did Another person did the music. The only person I met up with was the person who did the sound. Wow. Everything else was done remotely. It's just so funny that it worked out that way. But it's so cool that it can work out that way, too. Right, yeah. But the animator, his, his name is Nolan Nunez. He's a great animator. I highly recommend everyone listening to, to hire an animator. He's, he's amazing. He basically did everything when he wasn't uh he had free time and when he wasn't working and we he would send me the files of that scene and i would take a look at it and i would analyze it see what uh what worked 
And then I would send it back and say, okay, great. Or I'd say, oh, you know what? I think you could use maybe a little different uh, gesture here or something. And I had to be very careful. I, I will say the biggest thing I learned from doing an animated film, and if anyone's who's listening is doing animation, um, I'm sure they know this. So uh, me coming from, from not ever doing one before, I learned <laughs> the hard way. But any, any story problems or any sort of character issues you have, you really want to work it out in the animatic, not in the animation. Oh, <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of animators obviously will know this. I, of course, was like, "Oh, maybe he'll, maybe we'll figure it out when he does animation." It's like, nope. And then we had to like <laughs> spend a lot of extra time trying to fix something that should have been fixed in the animate in the animatic. Just to clarify, what is the animatic? So he would do storyboards, basically hand drawn storyboards. And I would look those over. And then what he did was he actually put those in the computer and would basically have like, almost like it looks like a, like a living drawing, which is the animatic, which is basically the drawn pictures would be sequenced in a way where that was like a basic animated form, basically like a movie storyboard. Mm. And that is the part where I really should have figured out certain things that unfortunately I had to figure out, you know, uh, in the animation. It goes back to you know, making sure that your story has all those emotional beats. You want to make sure you, you, you definitely hit each point you want to make. And by the end, it shouldn't be any sort of, you shouldn't be working on the story when you're working on the film. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, if you, you don't want any, you don't want any story issues or character moments, a character should always walk into a room and know why the character is walking into the room. <laughs> you know, if your character walks into a room and you're like, uh, why is he doing that? You're like, well, something's <laughs> wrong here. And that, yeah. and even though that wasn't an issue, it's just an example, but there were certain things that I'm like, oh, I should have figured that out. But, you know, we did. Um, Noel was great. He was a great animator. He's a great animator, and I enjoyed working with him. I'd love to work with him again. If, you know, we get some sort of, we get some sort of uh, development deal with this project, I'd love to uh, continue working with him, of course. It, is play- it has played in a lot of festivals so far, I'm, I'm very happy to say. It played in Walnut Creek, right outside San Francisco, at this great competition called the uh, Mountain Shadow Film Society. Played over in Toronto just recently. Wow. Their film festival. It's going to play in uh, the River Run Festival in North Carolina, which I'm very excited about. I've been very happy with the response it's been getting. People have seemed to really enjoy the concept and the execution and even the music. Uh, I've actually been thrilled to say because, you know, I, I basically gave them a couple of, they gave the composer a couple of different ideas of what I wanted for music. I really wanted a very classical in, in, in nature, you know, like a very John Williams-esque score. And he just kind of took that concept and ran with it. And uh, he did, I think he did an amazing job as well. I mean, I have to like praise him a lot because he had, he and I, like I said, we never met either. So I didn't, just like, like, I just basically gave him like notes and said, like, okay, at, at point uh, one, one minute and three seconds, I want to hear this. And then at point this and this, I want to hear that. And he was like, uh, yeah, great. Um, that, I could totally do that. So I was very happy to, to get him to uh, do that as well. I was very lucky. Like I said, I've worked with really great people. Like everyone I've worked with has been just amazing and, and so excited about the project and, and just, just really happy to do what they're doing. It really, it really made me very happy about it. I have to, I would say I'm going to plug him as well. His name is Brett Cameron Perry, just excellent composer. <laughs> yeah. So taking in that experience, is that something that you're going to try and do again? Are you going to keep on trying new mediums or different types of films and things? Or are you going to experiment a little bit more in this realm? Well, that's a good question. I did really enjoy 
this process, the animated film, even though it did, I will say it did take a much, a much longer period of time though, to get it made. I mean, the, the concept, concept execution took about four years wow. for the short film, uh, the short animated film. So that in itself gives me a little bit of hesitation to only do it only because I'd have to really you know, think about what project I want to do. Obviously with the live action, I feel like you can, uh, there was one project. I mean, I, I think I came up with in like January and I was filming by March. So, right. Yeah. A little easier. <laughs> yeah. So that's the thing about doing a live action, but I don't know. I mean, I would be open to do either, to be fair. Just that there's a certain set of tools that you need to do a live action film versus an animated film and vice versa. So basically, you want to know what the journey of the film is going to be. Is this going to be a film that you're going to put into a festival? Do you want to go into festivals and get awards? Do you want to use this film as a way of getting funds for a feature film? Do you want to, you know, just make something because... You know, you, you want to just make art, you know, I mean, <laughs> which of course it should be the number one, of course, but what is the main goal of it for, for me, it's so funny. Like I, 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 I struggled with this because a lot of times people will ask you like what your main genre is. And, and I would say, I would always, I would say comedy, comedy is my, 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 I enjoy comedy. I enjoy writing comedy. I enjoy watching comedy. Of course I enjoy other things too, but a lot of times I sometimes come up with an idea and I'm like, oh, that'd be a great horror film or that'd be a great adventure film or that'd be a great animated film. And I just like, all right, well, I got this is like, this is it now. And I get so excited about the story idea that I just start doing it. And it's like, well, this isn't a comedy or this isn't a what you just did last the last time. And I'm like, yeah, I know this is this now. You know, I mean, I feel like when you're just starting out, people want to I don't want to say pigeonhole, but they want to like kind of figure out who you are. And like, okay, you're the the guy who does comedy. You've done this comedy, this comedy, this comedy. So now we know what you can do. Now you can do something different. But, you know, I think what like the Coen brothers, for example, they do comedy. They've done straight drama. They've done both. And no one's like, oh, well, the Coen brothers, you know, they, they should really focus on one genre. Well, the Coen brothers, they can do what they want. You know what I mean? So I feel like I haven't gotten to that level where you can just do whatever you want and just, so. Yeah, I mean, I think that's an interesting thing to bring up because it happens with actors, too, where you oh, kind yeah. of have to pick one thing. And it's hard when you're like, but I want to do it all. <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. I mean, they definitely, yeah. when it comes to casting, it's definitely like you have to, I hate to say it, I mean, it's, it, we got to be typecast. But, you know, the key yeah. word in that sentence is cast. You know? So at least, right. you, you know, you're, you're working and that's, and that's, so you have like, I guess what they, I've heard this been used like they have like branding, basically. You're like, you're like that quirky guy or the best friend or the, you know, the comp relief. And, you know, eventually you get enough attention that you can be like, okay, now I'm going to play against type. And you're able to do that because now you have enough of a, a recognition that people are, can allow you to do that. Right. It's finding your niche without pigeonholing yourself, <laughs> which is a tough thing to do in both mediums. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So going back to what you were asking about, you know, a short film versus an animated film, I basically feel like if the idea hits me in a way where I feel like it should be an animated film, then that's the next thing I do. Or if it's, uh, I'll feel like, oh, it's going to be a live action film, then that's what I should do. Or if someone sees the short film I just, the short animated film I just did, and it's like, hey, I'd like to see this into a feature and be like, well, well, this is a sign I should do this, you know, so, you <laughs> totally. know, so. Yeah, that's basically where I, how I feel about the next the next film. What is your kind of process for coming up with the projects that you end up taking on? I guess, really, unfortunately, due to my limited resources, I try to figure out how to do a film that I can do within my means. 
And that's basically been the most difficult thing because you don't want to have a film suffer from a lack of production. And unfortunately, you know, some films I just can't do. I can't uh, make a film set in space without it looking <laughs> kind of hokey. Unless I do right. like an animated film, of course. I can do, you know, you can always figure it out. But when an idea strikes me, it's like, okay, I basically just, when an idea comes to me, I'm like, okay, let me write this out. Let me figure this out. Let me, let me take the time. Let me write it out. Let me see where I can get this character from, from point A to point B and making sure, you know, to get to all those, you know, moments that I want and that I want to hit, you know? And after I've written the story out and figure out if it's good to be a short film or a feature film or an animated film or what have you, or even, you know, a spec script for a TV show, well, I step back and think, okay, well, what's the best journey for this to go through? Like for some films as a writer, I just would like to be like, okay, let me see if I can send this out as a script to be sold, maybe make sense to a major studio. Some films I've uh, figured I can probably make this on my own. Can I make this on my own? Is it, is it something worth making on my own? And basically, I just see what I can do. The tech support movie I was telling you about, that was going to be a film I was going to try to sell. I was going to try to sell to studios. Mm. It's funny because it's kind of like a Black Mirror episode now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> and if You're it was ahead around, of your time. I, I, I was. That's it for me, actually. No. Um, <laughs> actually, no, no joke. There are some similarities. I can't say, I can't say they plagiarized because I, I just feel like, but there are some similarities between one episode of Black Mirror and that short film. If you watch the film, you'll see. Anyway. Oh, I'm excited. I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, there's there will be links in the show notes. Oh, yes. Great. What I was going to say, though, is that when I realized that there was not many locations to be had, though, I'm like, oh, I can do this. I can totally do this. I can totally get the two locations I need and then just, you know, do the rest. Once It, it came down to the variable thing. I, I, want, to keep use, I want to keep using that word, variables. It's mm -hmm. like if you're going to produce something on your own, and this is specifically the people who are self-producing, if you're self-producing your own project, you really want to limit your variables. And when I say variables, I mean what can you get for free that you can use over and over and over and over and over and over again? You know, for me, that would happen to be my apartment. So if I had an issue with, let's say, a scene didn't work, it's like, okay, well, at least I can do that again because I have the apartment. You know what I mean? If you have, let's say, that there is um, there's a scene like in an airport or something, well, you don't have to go to an airport to make that scene. You can go to an office. You can dress it up. You can have you know an establishing shot at an airport and then go to the office and just you know what i mean you could always totally, yeah always find the place that you can use for free because you don't know a how long it's going to take to do that shot b what the sound's going to be well i guess you, you know the sound at that point but also you know how many times you'd have to need, need to do that scene so make sure you always use the things you can get for free as much as you can that's what I would say, really. I think I'd also like to add one thing that I really respect about the kind of work that you do. You you don't include like the people that you know or even the friends that are actors. You don't include them typically in that free section, right? Like uh, for me, one of the things like working with you and understanding kind of what you kind of prioritize, you put value in the actual work and respect others that, that you work with. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I definitely... That's why it comes out of the budgeting. And one of the things that I, I know that a lot of people have been able to do, I've never been one to to, to raise money um, for my projects. Some people are good at doing it. Some people are really good about raising money, GoFundMe and Indiegogo right. and all those other resources, which are great. I mean, they're really great for people who who are good at doing that. I've I've been so focused on my production that I haven't really thought about, oh, maybe I should spend time raising money. I'm like, I just want to do it. I want to do it. Let me 
allocate the right funds to make sure people, you know, are paid for their time, of course, you know, go through SAG, make sure it's a SAG contract, you know, and just everyone, so everyone feels like they're not doing something creepy in some guy's apartment, you know, you want to make sure that mm-hmm. people know that this is a legitimate production. I'm going through all the proper channels and it's, it's important. And, 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 and in that, in that instance, I've actually, and I can tell some people were a little, not, not annoyed, but like kind of surprised that. I would actually have auditions with actors that I knew and I knew personally. And they kind of thought, oh, well, you know, I don't want to just cast me. And I'm like, and it's funny because I, I realized even though I'd worked with some people before or I had known them for years is that I wanted to see how they'd work with me. <laughs> so Because I know actors who are brilliant, but they come into the room and I'm like, oh, wait, you're not good for this part. This is not good for you. This is not this is not the right role for you. <laughs> Trust me. You know right. what I mean? And you know, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be an actor and be told that you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not good. And I'm like, I'd have to be very specific. Like, no, it's not that you're not good. You're great. It's just that this particular part, which I thought that I wrote for you, is not good for you. Let me give you something else. I promise you, this is better for you. So I did a web series, which was on YouTube for about, about five years, I'd say. Yeah. Between 2014 and 2019. Yeah. And, uh, I, I did a casting session. It went pretty well, but I had trouble casting the, the roommate character. Actually, I don't even think I had a roommate character, but I had an actor came in to play a very, 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 very small part, like literally like three lines. And he nailed it. He completely nailed it. And I said, wow, this is, you're great. You're, can I give you something else to read? And he's like, sure. So I said, in, so I gave him another part to read. And he literally went outside. Ten minutes later, he was like off book. And he was also great. And I'm wow. like. Oh, you're going to be in every, like, and he was in like, and it's so funny because he was in 90% of the episodes at that point on. Like, like, yeah, he was just fantastic. His name's Jeff Bratz. It's so funny because my <laughs> web series was called The Jeff Show. And I was like, oh, I'm like, it was about me. But then it ended up being kind of about him as well, even though his character wasn't even called Jeff. But he was just so great that I'm like, I should have retroactively just said, called us both Jeff. So we didn't like The Jeff, you know what I mean? The Jeff's show, you know? Right. But he was just so phenomenal. And that was just a, an example of I wasn't so set in my vision of of something that I was able to just kind of mm-hmm. adjust me like, OK, this guy's this guy's great. Let me like right around him now. You know what I mean? Because he was so great. And he was just phenomenal. He would come in always off book, always having great ideas, always bringing this great energy, always enthusiastic. Just great. I love working with him. That's amazing. Yeah. So what is the hardest thing about pursuing the arts? For me, it's always been about stability. You know, it's hard to know when your next job is going to be. Um, you know, when you, yeah. do a, when you do a film or a TV show, there's just a lack of stability. You know, you put all your time and energy into a project and maybe it only lasts a couple episodes or maybe the film doesn't do well and you don't know when your next job is going to be. It almost seems like every project you do is like an audition for the next project. So I would say that that's probably the hardest thing. It, it seems like the way the industry is set up, it seems like people who have an unlimited amount of resources can't succeed because they don't have to worry about when the next meal is going to come from. So it's really hard to, to make it without having a steady stream of resources at your disposal and something, else, something stable to s- sustain you. Totally. Yeah. Are there any resources that have helped you with your, your writing or directing skills? It's funny. And I, and I have to say this. The best thing to do in terms of writing and directing is to write and direct. It's hard to teach it. So when I was in film school, the best teacher was the experience being on set. Because even though they teach you how to do a film, until you get on the set, until you are getting people coming up to you, asking you questions, and having a million things to think about at once, 
You just don't know what it's like. The classroom is not going to be the place to do it. And it's funny because I went to film school and I know some people are like, I know Tarantino family who said that, you know, I didn't go to film school. I went to films and that's great for him. But, <laughs> but for me, <laughs> right. yeah, I, I went to film school and I, and I have to say it really did help me because I don't know how I would have been on set independently if I hadn't gone to film school, because you just don't know until you walk onto a set. You just don't. I didn't have that much experience on a set before I went to film school. Like, I had zero experience. I'm saying. I had zero experience being on a set. So the best thing to do is be on sets. You know, the resource, if you have someone who's doing a film on their own and they're asking you to help out, if you can for a couple hours, just see what it's like, see what mistakes they make, see what things they do that you do like and learn from that because that's going to be your best teacher is the experience of being on a set. That's really the best resource. And being in Los Angeles, of course, there are people filming all the time. There's always something going on, short film, a web series, a feature film that's, that's you know, very low budget. You will find those things that you, can, you can't really find other places. But if there is something that's going on in your area that if you don't live in LA, yeah, definitely check it out if you can. Film communities need to stick together and, and have like a strong um, community of people who want to work together because that's how we're all going to succeed is we all work on each other's projects and bring that positive energy. What is your favorite piece of art right now? Could be a song, movie, TV show. <laughs> well, I, I will say I, I liked uh, Billie Eilish's uh, song, Bad Guy, and I listened to the album. Oh, yes. And it's so funny because it's like, you know, it won the Grammy, but I, I'm going to say... Yes, I knew about it way before the Grammys. I listened to that album <laughs> last year. I thought it was great. You're like, I was you know. here before everyone else. <laughs> yeah, I was on the bandwagon. As soon as I heard that song, I'm like, oh, I got to hear the rest of this. And I listened to yeah. the album and I'm like, oh, she's very talented. Yeah. And she has a, a maturity to her a voice and to her voice in the production that I thought was like really nice. And I could see why they, they awarded her. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm curious to see or hear, actually, to say the, the Bond song that. Bond, oh, have you not yeah. heard it? It's so good. Yeah, yeah. it's. I've only I I actually listening to it the other day, but I was like, wait, is my sound not on? Because I couldn't hear it. It's like almost like acapella for a por portion of it. I it is, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I know it's like, oh, this is different. You know, I never heard anything like this before. Yeah, she has a really creative production team with her. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You ready, Jack? Yes. <laughs> okay, brace yourself. All right. What keeps you up at night? Okay. Surprisingly, this is not as difficult as the code question, actually, for me. Um, <laughs> well, See, it's different yeah. for everyone. <laughs> but actually, it's funny because it actually circles back to the other question you asked me about, you know, uh, what's the difficult thing about being in this, in this industry and stability? You know, uh -huh. I mean, I wonder, you know, am I going to be able to make another film or am I going to be able to continue what I'm doing? The one thing that no one really talks about, because it's not really something that I think people want to see on TV shows, is what it means to make it and what it means to be a celebrity because there's this feeling where, where i grew up going to like la or making it as in, in los angeles was known as oh you're you know, trying to make it like as if there was like you know one day you're not made it and the next day you've made it you know what i mean right and it's like no one says that about any other profession it seems like no one says to you uh hey just trying to make it as a doctor you know, how's that going <laughs> but if you're an actor, people tell you like a lot of people, a lot of people, let's just say everybody, but some people will say to you, oh, you're just trying to make it as an actor. It's like there's like some sort of deadline or timeline that you need to have if you're going to keep doing that. But it's like, as long as I'm happy, what does that matter? You know, so right. what keeps me up at night is, you know, oh man, man, you know, how long is it going to take before I 
can sustain, you know, living out here solely on my writing or my on my film work or my acting, my directing, you know, all those things. You know, all that kind of stuff happens at late at night where I'm thinking about, oh man, I should I should be working on my next project and I should be doing this or am I spending enough time on this project? Maybe I'm rushing through it. Maybe I should spend more time. Oh no someone else has got a project coming out in the next month. I should really make sure my project comes out you know, before that one does. You know? <laughs> and uh, I think that's, that's really does keep me up at night. I mean, I mean, essentially, of course, you know, I think about all the planets out there in the, in the, in the universe that we maybe may never see because we can't get off earth, but you know, that's also right. like, wow, you know, this is something existential. That, yeah. Existential, <laughs> like, man, there's so many things in the universe I'm never going to see, you know, that kind of thing. And that kind of depresses me. But um, so, you Fair. know, you know, but I mean, in terms of, in terms of, you know, things that I really have control over, what keeps me up basically is, you know, making sure that I have some stability in an industry where is not known for stability. That's for sure. So to a person that might be interested in pursuing the arts while still working a nine to five job or someone who has never, you know, really dove into the arts, what advice would you give them? Well, I would say the best advice for someone who has to work a nine to five and also pursue a career in, you know, the film, in the arts, I should say, in the arts, I would say have a job that A, can sustain you, of course, you know, maybe live with family who's not going to charge you as much rent as, you know, a, a, a landlord would. But also, I would say, in addition to that, have a job that doesn't require, and I'm not, I, I want to be very specific how I say this, because I don't want, there's a certain word I could use that I don't want to say. But I want to say, <laughs> make sure you have a job that doesn't make you use so much of your mental power. Doesn't drain you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I mean, not, not, even, not just physically, but also mentally, of course. I had a job years ago, and they... I had an audition the same day and I won't say what it was, but I basically, it was customer service. So it required me to do a lot of calling and, and a lot of tech support myself. And when I had the audition, I was allowed to leave to go to the audition. But unfortunately, I couldn't quite shake the day off before the audition. Like, I don't think I was in the right frame of mind to really give the audition all the attention it deserved. So... Unfortunately, I don't think I did that well. Oh, I didn't do it. I didn't get the audition. But it's because like the, the stress of the job just got to me. And I wasn't able to really be free to create and be a part of the artistic process for that audition. So the main thing I would say is if you're going to have a job, try to do a job where you can just do something where it doesn't require you to use too much of your mental or physical energy. You know, just really do something that you can do. It can do really well. It's not going to be a big issue for you to do it. And also flexibility, of course, you know, if you need to have the flexibility to go to an audition or go to a, a meeting with someone who wants to do something with your script or whatever, definitely have the flexibility. A lot of people I know try to do different jobs where they can, you know, set their own schedule, be their own boss. It's hard, but it could be very uh, fulfilling. But in Los Angeles, there are definitely a lot of companies that know that they're hiring actors, of course. I mean, obviously, in the service industry. It's so funny, like, I go just off on a, on a tangent for, for one second. I've been out here for about 14 years now, and it is very hard to get a waiting job. <laughs> like, it's like, people say, oh, you know, you should be a Crazy, waiter. Crazy, right? So it, it's so easy to be, a, easy to be a waiter. You know, you'll get auditions. Like, it's really hard to be a waiter. Trust me. It's it is. It's not yeah. easy, you know? It's, it's, it's very, very draining. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very draining. It's also, it's also very difficult. Those jobs fill up very quickly. But yeah, so I would, my best advice is use, go to a job, you have flexibility, and you don't have to uh, use too much of your physical or mental energy because you want to save that for what you really want to do. 
And really, when it comes down to it, and this is a tough decision, you're going to have a you're going to have a point where you may have to decide whether you want to go into work the next day or take that audition. And you might the job may not be there if you take the audition. But think about why did you come out here? Why are you doing this? Like, do you want to keep that job to get that bit of money to go, to go the next week, or do you want to take the chance, roll the dice, and see if you can make it? Because Let's face it, you know, sometimes you have to just take the chance and, and go for the meeting, go for the audition, go for the, the thing. And if you don't get it, well, at least, you know, you did your best. So, yeah, I think that's great advice. It really puts things in perspective. And yeah, the real side of the industry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny, you know, it, it's it always funny to me when I see movies where the main character is an actor and then they get auditions and then they make it. It's like, that's eh, a little more specific. It's a little more, you <laughs> it's know, a little, harder than, little harder than that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's like, they always gloss over the part where like, this is the part where they get the agents. That whole section of the Hollywood story is always glossed over. And like, that's the most, to me, that's almost like the biggest stumbling block is like, well, how do you get an agent? It's a really big hurdle. Yeah. To get an agent, you have to, you need to have an agent. I'm like, well, how do I get an agent then? You know? Right. Yeah, no, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that always is like, oh, no, they just did it, and they're here, and it's amazing. <laughs> and that's not accurate. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just, I'd love to see, you know, like, if I, if I had to redo, if I had to remake La La Land, I would remake I was it about where, to mention La La Land, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, no, and I enjoyed the film, the film, I thought the music was great, but I would yeah. say that it would have ended with her doing a web series and him, you know, self-producing his own album. That's how it really would have ended, you know. <laughs> That's very you know? true, yeah. That would have been far more accurate to this day and age. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't. It doesn't always end like that, and it's like, oh, an audition where you yeah, have to but then yourself. it takes away the fantasy of you know of this crazy industry that you know anyone yeah. can make it in, which you can. It's just you know you have to. It's by it's about how long you can sustain it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like I said, I enjoyed the film, but I, I definitely have to take a have to take it with a grain of salt and know that uh, it's not uh, it's not like that. But it's it's an entertaining piece of uh, film, so. Hey guys, thanks for listening. You can find out more about Jeff on his Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Ashkin. Get links and more information on Jeff's podcast, Coast to Coast to Coast, on our website, www.artisticpodcast.com. If you liked the conversation, let us know by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people like you find the show and gives us a chance to know who's listening. For updates on new episodes and content, you can follow us at The Artistic Pod on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next week. My name is Jeff.